Hey guys, welcome back to Minions and Misfits. <laughs> hey. Hey, so it's been uh, a wild time. It really has. It's been a been a very different season than season 1. But a good season. Yeah, it was It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, once again, we're going to do another season retrospective, looking at season two. So we thank all of you wonderful listeners for uh, listening to it. And, you know, we hit a really cool milestone, hit a thousand downloads, which was awesome. Hey. Thank you. Yeah. Celebrate it's not yourselves. at all a self-indulgent episode, I promise. No, no. <laughs> uh, please do, uh, of course, listen and enjoy this episode, listen to and enjoy this episode. But please also, you know. Like us, share us with your friends if you like us and want to. If share you have us friends, yeah. And remember to <laughs> leave us reviews on uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all that. The more exist? people, I mean, technically, <laughs> it's Apple Podcasts, right? I think, or it's yeah. Just leave us reviews on whatever platform you use because yeah, they places. help more people. They help more people see us. And the more people see us, the more people get to enjoy us. So, and the more people share us, with, us share us with the world, because the more motivation we'll have. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh well. Right. We're motivated. We're motivated by love. Um, by love. By love. So, guys, I guess I will be asking the questions tonight. Uh, Excellent. And so, this first one is kind of just a very broad, open-ended question. But obviously, season one had its own particular feel with goblins and you know a little bit of music and a lot of kind of like slapstick and season two has been very very different and so i guess what would be your elevator pitch for how season two was different and how did you feel about that you know how mm. i guess it's definitely progressed how we've done things but uh i don't know i'm curious to get your thoughts so let's start with cam yeah the man who ran the show yeah, yeah. The, the man, man who plan. ran um yeah, so going into this season, I knew I wanted to do a different system than D&D, which was the first choice that was going to kind of make this season diverge from the first season. I think Into the Odd ended up being an excellent choice because I wanted something that could be there when I needed it and then out of the way when I didn't. Because uh, I wanted... My style is such that if I have to go back and consult rules all the time, it really starts to slow me down. Um, so I like having something where when a player asks, hey, can I do this? I can just be like, well, sure, yeah, whatever. Let's, uh, let me make up a role for it real quick. Um, like, what? which of your three yeah, stats that is happened? that closest <laughs> <Yeah>. to? <laughs> um, and it also, so the setting while still being pretty fantastical, was also very different. Um, yeah. Sort of our our inspiration came from sort of a later era in real world history with pirates and sort of... Yeah, it was still seven, very fantasy, but a lot more roughly, Yeah, roughly 17th to 19th century, or I guess uh, 18th to 19th century trappings that mm -hmm. Peter Pan has. Um, I feel like we went from being... In, in terms of the minions and misfits aspect of it, we went from being kind of the lowest of, on the totem pole as goblins yeah. to in Neverland, the way I always think about it is the pirates are kind of the dominating force. Even though they don't really have control, they are kind yeah. of like the the oppressors? 
to use. I don't yeah, because they're they're quote unquote industrialized compared to the native inhabitants of Neverland mm-hmm. in that they have guns. They have your standard <laughs> have pirate guns. equipment. Yeah, yeah. What about you, it's Dylan? It's sort of a... Oh. Well, on the... Sorry. Before I continue on to that that main thought, it's talking about the, like, we're switched from, like, the totem pole of Minions and Misfits for first season to this. It's almost like... They are Minions of Hook, yes, but that was less of a driving force, I think, than the Misfit side of it, because... With Keith, he was very much a misfit in the like proper real world, and as being you know kind of the violent psychopath that he is a little bit. And in Neverland, he very much fit in, and he was like, "This is my place. I'm with my people. This is great." Whereas uh, Israel was very much out of his element um, in Neverland. He was very much a southern yeah. gentleman that just kind of wanted to keep learning and doing all this stuff, um, but having. Uh, the new fantastical realm very much threw him out of his element, but also let him discover a new love. <laughs> I think that's yeah. true. I, I think that's true. I think what's violent psychopath might be a bit over dramatic for Keith, but <laughs> no, I think what I like about it is you know looking at J M Barry's original work. There's a lot of baggage behind it, and I mean a lot of people have different hot takes, so we won't go into that there, but with the characters of Hook and Peter Pan, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, they are two children. They're oh, yeah. eternally playing. Um, their goal is never to really kill so much as it is to embarrass the other one. And I'm glad that, you know, again, and we'll go more into characters later, but I'm glad that Keith did bring that spirit to it. We're at the oh, end, yeah. We're, yeah, at the end of the season, he is very similar to Hook. It's really just... Mm-hmm. There's no change. There's that eternal playing, mm-hmm. and while that's not progress, that that would fall into the you know the damnation. Well, Keith was that we very yeah. Keith was very like happy and content with the status quo of what Neverland is and was. Uh, he didn't like where where it is is where he wants it to be. He don't want it to switch. Don't want it to change. So yeah, <laughs> and I'm glad that we were because uh, it was definitely obviously we made it our own. But I'm glad that we could pay tribute to oh yeah the source material by having that kind of dynamic where. You know, mm-hmm. even though Keith was, you know, a misfit in society, he's very much, you know, part of Neverland. Oh, yeah. Whereas... He is a true inhabitant. Yeah. Whereas Israel is very interesting because he probably wasn't a misfit so much in society. He's a misfit to the pirate crew. And in some ways, he breaks a lot of the molds we see in the typical Neverland story, which is cool and interesting. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we got to do a little bit of both. It was yeah. Good. And we got dark with it, too. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, I guess going deeper into those characters, or actually before we get to that, uh, Cam, you talked a little bit about Into the Odd. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know you played, obviously you played D&D with us in the last season. Uh, how, how, was, how did this experience running Into the Odd compare with your past experiences with something like Dun- Dungeons and Dragons? How did, how did the system of Into the Odd uh maybe help or hamper your storytelling. Do you have any insight into that? Yeah. So I kind of feel like, uh, I got a chance to sort of kick the tires a little bit with, uh, into the odd. (laughs) Mm. Um, I think due to the setting and also this format that we're doing, I didn't get a chance to really put it through its paces. 
um, for one, because we were kind of trying to maintain a coherent narrative um, and we're just sort of going out and like dungeon diving or anything like that. And then also uh, because I was sort of having to adapt things from this book that was written with 5e in mind mm -hmm. into into the odd. Um, all that being said, though, I think the system was a really good fit for me specifically as a DM. Um, as I mentioned before, I kind of like to be a little bit more loosey-goosey, which D&D &D is very much a rule-intensive game, even yeah. though 5e is on the lighter lighter in compared as to far as D&D yeah <laughs> yeah compared to like 3.5 or Pathfinder I think it would or AD&D yeah <laughs> I think it would surprise a lot of people because you know most I think it's safe to say most people get interested in tabletop role-playing games and this includes Three me because of D&D &D. yeah yeah it's the and most then, prevalent easily oh yeah and and building your character in D&D &D is intense it's the hardest part if you're doing it by hand and that's like, always that's the, the part whenever I'm getting new players, I'm like, okay, let me sit down with you for like an hour or two and let's just like build your character together. Cause it's overwhelming when you first look at it. <laughs> like it's <laughs> so just fresh to it. Whereas with into the oh. odd and it'll, it'll, honestly, a lot of RPGs, mm. you can do it in five minutes yeah. and like our creating characters, our character creation did not take long at all. No, our character creation right. started and ended with, okay, what are your ideas for who you want to be? Roll for some equipment, roll for your stats, done. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, that's one of the things that I like about it so much because it's, it's a lot of RPGs that do that very quick uh, character creation. A lot of them do that with the understanding that it's meant to be a very lethal game. Yeah. Yeah, that you're going to be you, churning Merkborg. through. <laughs> you're going to be churning through characters like in uh, Merkborg or Mothership. But Into the Odd doesn't quite have that goal. It just wants to be a game that you can pick up and play. It's mm -hmm. not necessarily about being hardcore Detality, about it. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's one of the things I really like. And it makes me, honestly, really want to play Chris McDowell's other games like um, Electric Bastion Land, which mm -hmm. is sort of... Uh, it's... In a few ways, it's a couple of steps behind the end of the odd that we played because he wrote it after he wrote the original end of the odd, but before into the odd remastered, oh, which is what we played. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there, are, there are ideas that are in into the odd remastered that originated in Electric Bastion Land, but there's also some differences. And then he's currently working on something called Mythic Bastion Land, yeah. which where um, Into the Odd and Electric Bastion Land kind of take place in sort of a semi-steampunk kind of maybe early 19th century sort mm. of vibe. This is the sort of... Uh, Fantasy. Skeleton. <laughs> this is sort of the Into the Odd skeleton applied to a medieval fantasy kind of setting where you're playing as all different varieties of knights that are like you're basically playing as questing knights and trying to like and there's rules for generating like a point crawl and 
quests and all kinds of stuff like that. It's very interesting. Each different type of knight has their sort of like a list that you roll on for like what their central motivation and what their quest is basically and who gave them their quest like what sort of weird seer or omen gave them their quest Hmm. Uh, well dylan what do you think sorry go ahead it's i was gonna say it's in playtest right now but he's been working on it consistently for like the last year i'm sure it's one we'll be doing at some point so oh yeah absolutely Dylan, what do you think about the system change going into the odd? Oh, I think it suits a podcast format uh, especially well. Uh, mm. One of the big problems with D&D is whenever you do combat, it's great when you're at a table and you got a grid and you're all into it and you're all strategizing. When you're in an audio format, it just kind of sucks. <laughs> like you're just sitting there grinding, just rolling back and forth. And it's like, ah, oh, man, this is not great to listen to. Like I can feel myself getting actively bored just recording it, much less trying to listen to it. Um, so like it's, it's a, it's a much different vibe. So into the odd being rules light and just kind of letting you be narratively focused and do whatever you need rules wise as you go. Very, very helpful for a podcast format. Absolutely love it. If you're, I think if you're trying to run a one shot for your friends into the odd is a really easy one to do it with. Yeah. Yeah. Into the odd monster of the week, a couple of other ones like that. Like any of those are great one shot options. I think one of the things that you is kind of a love hate thing with D and D specifically is D and D is very specialized, which makes some moments really, really cool when, yep. you know, you can cast mage hand in just together. the right circumstance. Um, and into the odd is very much you, you kind of are given this basic toolkit of your character and yeah. really the rest is it's left a sandbox. Up to you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, all right, go play pretend. That's what it is. Yeah. You're a little yeah. Kid. It's, it's very interesting, but it is definitely a big change. Which yeah. then leads us to our next big change. Obviously, Ooh. we went from a kind of, again, typical D&D high fantasy, fantasy. world yeah. mm-hmm. to, you know, J.M. Barry's, no, I guess technically not J.M. Barry's Neverland, but Neverland created by yeah. author J.M. Barry. In- inspired re- by, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. reimagined In by... too. Yeah. Reimagined by who, uh, Cam? Uh, this was Andrew Kolb. Was the author of this That's Neverland right, source book? Yeah, yeah. So there's a five E Neverland source book written by Andrew Cope, and uh, Dylan, not Dylan, sorry, Cam got these the, for his, the other one. <laughs> yeah, the other one. I had one job, which was to not mess up the two people I'm talking to. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, anyway, so he got this, and uh, I don't. Well, I don't want to tell a story. Cam, so tell us the story kind of behind why we went with Neverland and pirates. Oh yeah. So, Neverland, this, I've had my eyes on this book for a very long time, um, <laughs> and eventually uh, I had it on like my wish list on Amazon for a while, and Alexis got it for me for uh, Christmas, right? Was, yeah, was, was it your birthday? It was either birthday or Christmas, one, it was one well, of the two. Did you get this one for Christmas, Alexis? <laughs> it's my okay. It was my birthday. Birthday, oh. I thought so. Um, and I got the the Oz book for Christmas. That's right. Um, Which also one I so, definitely want to visit at some point. Oh boy. Fun yeah. Monkeys. Yeah. Some, Oz is always sometime, a wonderful setting of mine. Like I love. Yeah. Sometime down the road, we're definitely gonna play Oz. Um, we'll just sing through the musical Wicked and call it. 
the, the like 20th season or whatever. Uh, but so Neverland, it seemed like a really great opportunity for uh, something to run on the podcast because it gave us a great sandbox to play around in. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of different angles that I could have approached telling a story here with. Uh, there's entire swaths of this book that we did not even touch. Um, like Elfame and... Oh yeah, talk about some of the Elfame stuff. Because yeah, what, what all did you not hit? Because I mean, it's such a so, wide world. Were there any, like right. specific, specifically... Were there any like areas that you kind of wanted to do but couldn't find a way to work it in narratively? Yeah, like we definitely didn't uh, even touch on like Peter Pan. Like we touched mm. on him, but like it's yeah, he, he existed. Been. Yeah, <laughs> right. And that was like I kind of I did kind of want to use Peter Pan, but I just couldn't figure out mm-hmm. how to use how to effectively work him into the story because he's such a <laughs> like he's a strange character to try to. Use, yeah, because he's like, not like he's not like an overarching antagonist or anything like that when it comes to this kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he. Ex- I mean, exactly. Yeah, he's uh, he's just kind of there to bother everybody. Like his motivation is to have fun. Yeah, at basically he's the pretty much at everybody else's neutral. expense. <laughs> right. Um. That one of the key location or not? I guess key locations that I would have liked to use is um. Uh, First off, there's the skull, mm. which is essentially like the game describes it as if or the book describes it as if you want to start introducing really weird stuff, this is the place to do it. Mm. This is basically sort of if you could put a procedurally generated dungeon into a book, that's what the skull is. Gotcha. Like there's a, I think, D100 table of things that could be inside in the skull um it's just sort of like a psychedelic mega dungeon almost contained within within the book and we should mention your love of procedurally generated dungeons and just dungeon crawling in general (laughs) yeah dungeon crawling is my favorite uh my proposal for season one was to was going to be goblin a goblin dungeon crawl um and it's funny because i'm the opposite i'm like Let's get out of there. Let's go out to the wide open world and role play. Yeah. I don't make sure of both. <laughs> the other major like uh point of interest that we didn't uh we basically didn't even mention, much less use, was uh the clouds, which there's a major quote unquote character called the Great White Bird. Ooh. That's basically sort of like a demigod animal spirit kind of deal that lives in the clouds there's basically it you basically have to figure out that that it's up there and you have to figure out how to get up there to even uh to use it i would have had to like contrive so many reasons for you guys to it would be its own like side arc if this were a full campaign versus like a season right podcast yeah (laughs) it's um, if you're a Zelda fan, it's kind of reminiscent of the um, the Sky Whale from ah, Link's Awakening. Nice. Uh, just sort of this strange kind of, like I said, demigod being that lives way up above the rest of the island. Hmm. And then 
Oh, the so Elfame, the thing that's kind of cool about Elfame is that they lean into what is Elfame? The sort Elfame is the land of the fairies. The it's where the, of the little ones is where the the pixies like Tinkerbell originally come from. Um, Except so when when the pixies are in Elfame, they are regular sized and able oh. to talk. But when they leave Elfame and come to Neverland, they are teeny tiny and they can only speak quote unquote in just a ringing noise. Wild. Is there like a lore explanation uh, for that in the book or is that just kind of how it is? Uh, it's kind of the way magic works, okay, basically. Cool. Um, I imagine if like so, Fran Drescher were a fairy, like Tinkerbell's like a little <laughs> Fran Drescher would just be like but one of the things about Elfame is sort of in the tradition of sort of a Feywild or fairy realm is that there's no set map. Everything oh. is sort of ever changing and ever shifting. Sick. Um, distances between locations can vary wildly than they would in in the real world, basically. Do you mean fairy uh, it's where... Wow. Yes. <laughs> it's where being stupid sorry that you gotta, we're done with honey heist that's over now <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's where queen mab lives who is queen mab's magic is the reason why peter and the lost boys don't age and yeah, okay okay the lack of queen mab's magic is the reason why the darlings all aged Okay, can um, we talk about the darlings too? Because that was some of my favorite parts of the whole podcast. Was yeah, that with was the various darlings. I agree. Yeah, so going into the season, I did not know how big of a part they were going to play. <laughs> Turns out most of it. I didn't even. <laughs> I didn't even know if I was going to use all three of them. I didn't know if I was going to use them at all. Man, so um, when, when did that change for you? When did you know? Uh, just got like when. I guess going into like the second or third episode, like right before you guys met Michael, I was like, you know what? If they're going to meet Michael, <laughs> they might as well meet all three of them. <laughs> and so I s sort of slowly started piecing together like how, what their kind of role in the story was supposed to be. Nice. And essentially it ended up being like, uh, I definitely didn't want to use them because like stat wise within the book, the named characters are all like, you know, boss Broken. tier yeah, yeah. <laughs> characters. Yeah, they're all very powerful. So I didn't want to create a reason like I didn't want to steer you guys one way or the other into sure. trying to fight them. But I also didn't want to use them to like gainsay you guys yeah, or leave us. you yeah. <laughs> right i didn't want them to use them to railroad you mm. um so that's one of the things i always like when i write for like when i dm i'm always worried like am i being too railroady like it's i can never tell isn't it like every time yeah and yeah usually no usually yeah. it's okay um, but so, yeah, because I wanted these characters, I wanted to use some of the characters from the stories, but yeah. I didn't know how going in. Well, I will say, um, like, I think I like the way that they turned out. I agree. Yeah, looking those, back uh, on the looking back on the podcast as a whole, two of my favorite like recollections of the actual time um, were going through the swamp 
to go and find the witch. Like that was one of my favorite t- <laughs> times in the whole show. And also the freaking inverted tower that we had to go. Like that was that so was, wild. Yeah, that yeah. was. And like there were a couple of floors there at the very bottom that you guys didn't get to because I just <sighs> didn't want it. I didn't want it to go on too long. Yeah. I was like, man, this is starting to drag a little bit. Um, that episode, like that was already split across two episodes. Yep, yep. Um, the the performance had, was also really fun. I the really, performance was incredible. The freaking yeah. mirror. It, yeah. Oh, the mirror was probably my favorite moment of the entire, like favorite. Yeah, that moment, was for sure. with Ted that was and, and Israel too, and Israel. <laughs> yeah, that was some of the, the best hands. improvisation. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a plus all around. Well, then, uh, in terms of the characters, then. Uh, oh yeah Dylan. let's talk about these boys yeah yeah because i know obviously last season it was me sam and yeah. cam we were the characters we were going Wait, for you, it did we you were... just say me sam and cam no me like i myself am sam yes me and me and it cam. sounded like me comma sam comma and cam <laughs> I, you know there are some people who speak in the first person there's some some people who speak in the third person Elmo. and then there's some people who refer to both and that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> no um last season me sam <laughs> Me and Sam uh, played in the first season. No, me, I, my name is Sam. I. Sam, <laughs> screw me up now. <laughs> Cam and I played characters. We played we played Weehawk and, and Gorfit. And oh. so now, Dylan, you got to play a character in this yeah. season. Obviously, you played Israel. How, what was your mindset in building Israel? Yeah, so that, that, that was a fun one, right? So going to Neverland, I was like, all right, we're playing pirates. I don't want to be your, like, conventional pirate. Yeah. So, like, what am I looking at? What do we got here? I don't remember how I stumbled upon Southern Gentlemen, but <laughs> I did remember because of the, we talked about all the weird like artifacts and magic and stuff in our kind of like discussions about the world. And so I definitely wanted to delve into that side. So I wanted, I knew I wanted to make a guy who came to Neverland specifically to research these things. Yeah. And the immortality was just a side benefit so that he could continue to study. He had no interest in actually being part of the crew. So I was like, this is an interesting character. This will make for well, a interesting story take. Let's see how this goes. And I have no idea how you became a Southern gentleman. (laughs) I know. It ended up being a, it ended up being a great source of character development. The tension between him, like using the immortality to his benefit versus him wanting to preserve the, like the magic and wonder of Neverland against the, the pirates attempt to take over. I think I, I just it, said pirates. Pirates. Oh. I was going to leave it. But pirates. Anyway. <laughs> when it comes to Keith, I know, you know, Gorfit. I feel like season one was very palliative. It was really, it was a really sweet season by the end of it. It was yeah, really endearing. It was very wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really was. And so I knew for season two, because we talked no about, more you know, wholesome. Yeah, no more. No, it was. <laughs> When dealing with these characters who are kind of under a negative or evil mm-hmm. influence, the story is either going to be they escape from it or they stay in it. Yep. yep. And so I knew that the next character was either going to be, you know, there's, there's either going to be salvation or damnation. And I feel like yep. Gorfit had had such a great turn and such a happy ending. I didn't really want to just copy and paste that. And so I went for something very different. Um, and so I like Keith. But Keith is a terrible person. Um, <laughs> yep. And whereas well, and like half halfway through the season, because I know you talked about this early on and wanting to have like a different yeah. kind of arc, but like halfway through the season, the three of us had a conversation that was like, okay, 
how is this going to go with these guys then? You know, because we have such right. a, a different turn. Yeah, and I feel like whereas you put you you said you were trying to not be the typical pirate, I like looked at okay, you know, the old Peter Pan movie. What did the pirates look like? Okay, what's the personality that I can imagine for a pirate <laughs> like that? Yeah, and it was basically <laughs> Gareth from Gallivant mixed with Roy Kent <laughs> from Ted Lasso. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and also, if you haven't seen Gallivant, deeply underrated. Please watch oh it. Oh my great. gosh, yeah, <laughs> Gallivant is fantastic. Uh, ABC needs to bring it back, uh, you know, because they could still do that ten years. They after. can still do it. Come on, guys. They, they could. It's not um, but it is, it is a really I don't Keith is almost like an anti Gorfit. Oh know, yeah. Whereas Gorfit is always making mm-hmm. friends. Keith thinks, how can I kill this? Yeah. Uh, Keith very much felt like meta meta game. Keith felt like a response to Gorfit. Like, yeah, yes. that's fair. <laughs> it was just it was you know like... swinging the pendulum to the completely other side. There's a uh, a famous story from when uh, Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld were creating the show Seinfeld that they said, like, their rule was no hugs, no learning. <laughs> uh, because that's like they wanted to get away from sort of the sitcom stereotypes. Yeah. That's what Keith is. Keith is the no hugs, no learning <laughs> uh, in response to Gorfit from season one. Yeah, and I think that really matches up again with Neverland because the whole oh, thing yeah. is, you know, Peter... Nothing changes, yeah, when yeah. you have Hook and Pan, both of these eternal figures. Like Peter is ultimately kind of a tragic figure. Everyone else leaves and grows up, and Peter never grows up. And there's part mm-hmm. of that that's really fantastic and charming when you're a kid, but when you're an adult, you're like, oh. Yeah, what... that's actually kind of nightmarish. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, and that's what Wendy sees, is Wendy's like, this mm-hmm. is not ideal. And so Keith... Again, making him that, you know, ultimately he kind of is stuck in this damnation, for lack of a better term. It kind of matches up with where we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess that kind of, is there anything else we'd want to touch on when it comes to this campaign? You know, we covered things we've missed. We've covered the characters. Is there a particular NPC I, we're running low on time. You now. know who it is. You know our favorite boy. I I know, <laughs> I know. It's hey Cam. Was the New Zealand accent a moment of improvisational genius, or was that planned? <laughs> uh, so I knew I wanted to use the accent because we were we were in this sort of you know tropical island setting. I you knew I wanted to give. I knew I wanted to use the Kiwi accent somewhere because it's one of my favorite th- favorite voices to do. It's one of the few like true voices that truly departs from my own voice. Like I know, um, yeah, yeah. We, we joked last season about how Weehawk's voice was literally just my own voice, but with <laughs> maybe like a slightly different cadence. Um, it's you, but accents. also adding in the word boyo every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, pretty, exactly. Boyo. So, like, the your lexicon Kiwi does accents. change. It's, yeah, your, 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 like, cadence and everything else does it, but your lexicon always changes depending on the character. So. Right. So, like, the Kiwi accent is one of the handful of accents that I could do really, really well. Yeah. <laughs> um, Agreed. So I, knew I, so I knew I wanted to do it. Uh, using it that early on, uh, was sort of a happy accent. I didn't wasn't sure what kind of character I was going to use it for, but then when I 
decided that you guys were going to meet with the gnomes, I was like, oh yeah, that's the perfect, that's the perfect <laughs> character, that's the perfect one to use that accent for. So yeah, he was easily my favorite NPC. So thank oh, you. Yeah. yeah, and um, having all of the gnomes be named Jim, but with different <laughs> spellings. Uh, <laughs> so, I didn't even realize. So this. that was a concept that as a concept is something that i have used before but oh, it yeah. using it using it for the gnomes came at the very last second well and it made so much sense um, too because they're all gnomes they all look like little little guys just running around they're all the same yeah so <laughs> that's that's an idea i imagine that they all look different but the one thing they have in common is they all have those bright red cones on their heads yes <laughs> yeah um yeah, they're all wearing those like different, wildly different colored fabrics and stuff. Except that oh, the yeah. the red cone hat is always identical. Um, this is that idea of having a bunch of characters that are all named Jim but spelled differently came from a uh, uh, actually a Goblin Blood Bowl team that I oh really uh, used to have. <laughs> That's hilarious. Where where every single one of my players was just named Jim but with a different spelling, like as many different spellings of that name as I could come up with. I love that. Well, ending on that, gentlemen, last season, during our retrospective, we talked about what we would like to see coming up. And so I'm going to ask the question again. Spoilers. Uh, Well, yeah, besides, (laughs) we will get to what next season will be. We'll get to that. (laughs) But just vision casting for the future. Ah, okay. um, is there anything that you'd still like to see in terms of tone, in terms of story, in terms of systems? I, know, I really yeah. want to keep exploring different systems with this show because I think it's the perfect medium to do that because there's so many different cool mm-hmm. ADRPGs out there and fitting into the Misfits vibe really, really works here. So I think there's a lot yeah. of options for that. For me, I was able to start DMing because I could listen to a podcast of D&D and learn from that. And so I really mm-hmm. hope that while we do, I like doing the different systems and I want to keep that up. I also want to make sure that we stay intentional with oh, yeah. being clear, like to make it, make it something that you can listen to this and have a very accurate gist of yeah. how you, if you pick that system. game up, you'd be like, Oh, I remember they did this in the podcast. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Kind of with go- jumping into D and D that's obviously not our instinct. Cause if you're listening to this, there's a really fair chance you know how D&D works. Whereas as we dive into the more Minions and Misfits type systems, you know, we'd like to introduce you to new stuff. And so I, yeah. I like that idea a whole lot. It's a whole what new world. Say, <laughs> yeah. What were you going to say, Cam? Uh, well, I was actually going to say something similar to that. Instead, I, was, I like the idea of this. <laughs> I like the idea of the this show being sort of a... Taster? Uh, like... <laughs> Yeah, and sort of the retrospectives being like a miniature review of oh, yeah. the the actual the system, system that we just played, how it, how it works. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I liked the episode zero that we did where we sort of kind of yeah, explained yes. the system. Sort Having of, those with new systems, you know, is so helpful. put pieces yeah. together. Yeah. Is there uh, any system in particular you'd like to see? Let's no. see. I'm trying to think of ones that. I that we didn't say last time. So I know I still really want to play um, Frontier Scum. Yes, that would I, be. I know incredible. that one's going to be a good one. Um, I would Can... really like to play. Uh, I don't know if we've talked about uh, Glaze of Glory. Yeah, like 
on Glaze on my PS. Mm-hmm. But I really want to play Glaze of Glory. Um, Call of Cthulhu, I still think would be a great, uh, probably one shot. I think Call of Cthulhu works best as a one shot where you yeah. can just you know, you know what, have I a sort see... of Lovecraft ending. I want to see reverse Call of Cthulhu, where we play like agents of Cthulhu trying to drive a normal person insane. <laughs> That's what I want to see. That would be incredible. That Why would be we funny. done this yet. <laughs> kind of like Impractical Jokers are punked, but like mythical. Um, yeah. I think... Oh, I just missed it. What did I do? Sorry, I lost it. That's okay. Um, what were you going to say, Dylan? Uh, so there's one I've had my eye on for a while. I don't know if it would work well with the podcast that was the problem, but there's this wanderful Filipino RPG called Gubat Banwa, uh, that is like all about like basically cultural storytelling, and so it's all like these larger than life war dramas, like all that kind of stuff yeah. going on, like full mythology. I, I, yeah, I think you you brought that up in the season one retrospective. Did I? Yeah, I've had well. my eyes, and, it, for and a while. it sounds it looks great. It sounds wild. Um, I know another one I was thinking of earlier today. I think that would be good for the podcast is either um, Kids on Bikes or oh, Tales yeah. from the Loop. Um, either one of Wait, those. Wait, there's a Tales from the Loop TPRPG. Yeah. Okay. Why are we not doing that? Is that like <laughs> the Loop, like the Peter Capaldi <laughs> sitcom in Britain, or is this something? Different? No, no, no. Tales from the Loop is a no. is a wonderful uh, art piece series, actually. Uh, by what is his name? He's a Swedish guy, right? What's his, his name? His name is Simon Stahl. I'm looking it up. Stall, stall something. I'm looking this guy up. Stalinhog. Simon Stalinhog. Simon Stalinhog. This guy is incredible. If you haven't heard of this man, look him up on Google. Go look at all his art. It's incredible. He does these really dope futuristic retro like art pieces that are storytelling just through images. Yeah. Uh, he does like incredible. these He does these art books that have like it's all of these really great, you know, uh, like Dylan said sort of retro futuristic paintings and everything, but and then there's pages of story interspaced between the whole thing yeah i have a wild. copy of one of his i have a copy of one of his books downstairs it's called uh, um the, the electric state oh nice okay. um, i haven't really got my hands on any of them yet but i've been reading them online forever so it's the electric state is really interesting it's like a alternate universe where something essentially like the metaverse came out in the early 90s yeah and due to like when watch out Zuck's millions now <laughs> when millions of people all logged onto it at once some sort of like ai thing basically just collected <laughs> everybody just like absorbed every person's minds at yeah. once and so this the main character is traveling across the country to try and find her brother and they're everywhere. There's just like skeletons of people with these VR headsets on, just like laying all over the place. Because basically, like, it all happened at once. Like everybody yeah, that was that was logged on that had their really brains work. up. up His uploaded. stuff would work well for our our vibe though, because it's very much like a explore the world kind of thing. You know, deal with yeah. like all these weird encounters that you come across. Like it, it fit into our it fit into our vibe well. Yeah, yeah. If we did the Western one, this is what I was going to say. Oh, we need to do the Western one. <laughs> We should just be like Biff Tannen's posse from Back to the Future Three. Oh my gosh! Because <laughs> you know that's I had an the idea of Western. I had an idea of making a one shot that was a sort of 
tongue-in-cheek reference to the what's that train derailment that happened where was that uh, oh, oh the east palace the yeah. east palestine uh accident yeah i started like brainstorming up ideas for it. i was like wait this just sounds like my uh Morkborg dungeon where <laughs> there's there's some sort of alien force that's mutating everything and the the players get more and more mutated the closer they get to it i was like yeah. wait a minute yeah, well, i've heard on. this before I've, I've <laughs> Yeah, we just do a Blazing Saddles episode is what we do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say a um, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. There you go. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, honestly, the whole Western vibe lends itself very well to a like Misfits uh, adventure. Yeah. So. Well, then, uh, do we want to reveal what we're doing next season? Yes. Yeah. Give the spoilers. All right. Well. Coming in just a few short weeks. Coming in just a few short weeks, I will be uh, <gasps> DMing, or I guess the Triforce is complete. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> and we will be playing a system which we have not yet mentioned called Babes in the Wood. Yeah, we didn't uh, mention it because we were saving it for this. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, don't be deceived. This is not some weird '90s uh, scary. Don't have your no, mom. There, there is no it. Sports Illustrated. Do not worry. No, no, no. Babes as in the traditional meaning of small children. Uh, but a wee waif. Yes, wee waifs <laughs> in the woods. Now that's a great name. Why don't we have that? That being said, uh, it is heavily influenced by things like Alice in Wonderland, Wizard of Oz, and specifically Into the Garden Wall. The idea that you over have the these... garden wall. Oh, over the garden wall. What yeah, I say? Over the... Into the garden wall. Into the garden wall. <laughs> Just boom, it, um, right into it. A much shorter and grimmer <laughs> series uh, over the garden wall. And it, essentially the story is that you have these children who are lost in a mysterious faraway... Uh, what's that word for you can't, uh, can't navigate it? Un, unnavigable? That doesn't sound right. <laughs> a wood that it's they can't... Close. Yes, inimitable. Inimitable. <laughs> And so the idea is that, of course, Cam, Dylan, and we're getting a third person to be a player oh, this next season. Snap. If you listen to our previous one shot with Honey Heist, uh, Honey Heist, the lovely Rebecca Evans will be our third player for the, our uh, season three, and we a are permanent very member of a season. Wow! She, oh yeah, we uh, yeah, not not just a guest like for one. Like we had our last Becca. This will be the whole season. Yeah, a whole Becca. One whole Becca. Whole Becca. <laughs> But I'll be running that, and that'll be coming to you this summer in just a few weeks. Yeah, it's coming up soon. Yeah, I've already got some ideas for the ca- what kind of character I want to play. Oh snap! Yeah. Spoiler yeah. alert: it's gonna inv- it's gonna involve another voice that I that I feel like I'm a non New Zealand voice? To do for a whole season. Um, yeah, non New Zealand voice. Do we get a do we get a hint as to what voice it is? Uh, you guys will off mic. Oh man. <laughs> well, if you have anything you'd like to see in the third season, if you you know what. If you want to even just follow us and send us names you want to see in this third season, we yeah, give us NPC names because that'll make lives a lot easier for DMs, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything that sounds like it's you know, uh, I don't know, like like something from vaudeville that's in like the right direction. Because yeah, we got it's you. Very, <laughs> it's very much kind of old Americana vibes for season three, uh, but I'm very excited to bring it to you guys. I think it's going to yeah. be a, a get big tone shift from season two. I don't think anyone Just will have Just rapid showing tips all around. <laughs> I know, yeah. I don't think there will be any guns leveled at heads this next season. So That's that'd be nice. good. Yeah. We'll take that. 
Yeah, we uh, <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, uh, just at Minions and Misfits. You can find us on there. I know we're on Mastodon. What is our Mastodon link again, Cam? Mastodon is misfitspod at dice.camp. And then you can always email us at minionsandmisfits at gmail.com. Yep. Let me make sure that's right. Is it Minions and Misfits or Minions and Misfits? Minions and Misfits. Twitter the Twitter is the Twitter is Minions Misfits. Yes, but no, one, Minions no, one, Misfits. no one looks at the Twitter anymore. So no. But if you do you should The Twitter us. is dead. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah thank you the... for a lovely season. Thank you for continuing to listen and I hope you're excited for what's coming next. We're excited to be doing this with we you. We sure guys. are. Yeah. Oh yeah. This has been such a blast, so thank you all for enabling us. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for giving us an excuse to do this. Oh, yeah. We will be back with you guys in, what, two weeks? At an unspecific date. Unspecific. (laughs) Coming soon. We should probably nail that date down before. Yeah, we should probably figure that out. We'll talk about that. In two to three business weeks. (laughs) 